Oh, like stamp collecting. No, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. Live from snowy Las Vegas, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Tosh by joining the stamp show here today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. Listen to the end credits for more information on joining. This is Lord Cash. This is Meister Burger Mark. This is Sir Jim. And uh, it did actually rain, uh, snow today in Las Vegas. So, yes, it did. Yeah. Okay, so I have an interesting little thing. This is from the Plain Bagel. Uh, if you don't know who the Plain Bagel is, uh, he is he has a YouTube channel on uh, investing in the like. Very very interesting. He did one based on Masterworks, which is. Uh, the company that allows you to invest in fine art. And uh, you can find more about that. But there were some statistics there that I'm very curious whether they relate over to stamp collecting, but from my viewpoint, what I see, I do see this occurring. So uh, there is a survey that is regularly done by Wealth, Wealth Magazine, and uh, in 2014, they did the survey. Actually, they've done it every year since 2014. So in 2014, 9% of people invested in fine art. 21% collected it. And 76% in collected with an eye toward investing. Now, the investing is just strictly for money. And the collecting is strictly, I don't care about the money. So in 2019, investors went to 2%. So from 9% to 2%. Straight collecting went from 21% to 17%. So there are few invest, fewer investors and fewer collectors. The collecting with an eye toward investing went from 76% to 81%. So a lot more people are looking at it now as this is a collection, but it's also an investment. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Uh, if you want to know more about it, just type in uh, Plain Bagel Masterworks in YouTube. Very, very good uh, video. And uh, so that's just a thing that uh, I found very, very interesting. Hmm. I just... You're relating that to collectors in general, so that would probably be in our stamp business the same trend. What I see is exactly the same trend. Yeah. Well, I, it, I never saw the numbers though, but if this number, if these numbers duplicate over into stamp collecting, it would not surprise me at all. So, Mark, you have a thing uh, about. Uh, Dealers on what? eBay, hip stamp, which? Well, uh, yeah, stamp dealers in general. What is the obligation of the dealer after the sale? Vis-a-vis um, -vis the stamp uh, is submitted for a, uh, for a certificate and comes back as, say, fake. Um, 
Now, a stamp auction house will will put a limitation. They'll say, look, if you're going to submit a stamp for certification, you need to let us know because we have consigners to pay. So if the stamp is going to be submitted, um, authentication takes a while, and so you have to put it on an extension. And so the consigner is not paid just yet. You have to wait until the, uh, until the item clears um, authentication, and then the consigner is paid if it comes back fine. But a stamp dealer has no such obligation to a consigner typically. So um, if, a, if a stamp comes back, you know, months after the sale as fake, is the dealer obligated to, uh, you know, to make the collector whole? Well, I don't know if people know, but the National Stamp Dealers Association, there's two national stamp dealer associations. One of them is the NSDA, National Stamp Dealer Association, and the other one is the ASDA, the American Stamp Dealer Association. I am the president, actually, of the former. We have 150 members, uh, all stamp dealers, and so this has come up to me personally a couple of occasions. And uh, I will tell you with the NSDA has a position of, although it, it, it's kind of squishy, it varies, it depends, but the opinion of the NSDA is at some point the sale is final. You can't have a sale that hangs out there forever. Uh, when you put a stamp on extension, usually it's on, on extension for two months with a request to go three months. And that's because certification in the olden days, pre-19, or pre-2010, I'll say, uh, certification took a while. Now PSE and the PF, we know that the auctions need their stuff back quickly. So we give them priority service. So, you know, usually worst case scenario, it's two months. That's a worst case scenario. Um, and then, you know, if it comes back with a bad cert, the uh, auction company just doesn't pay the person. You know, they say, here's your stamp back, here's the cert. A dealer is different because he took the money and he spent it on rent. So he may not have the money. But it's my opinion that if it comes back, you're on the hook. If you sold a fake stamp, you've sold a fake stamp or a misidentified stamp or whatever. Would it be fair for the dealer to hang their hat on policies that they uh, that they have, let's say, posted on their website? Uh, that they say, well, you know, you if you're going to submit a stamp for certification, you need to let me know. And then there is a certain time frame. And if it's not back within that time frame or you don't let me know, then uh, then I'm off the hook for uh, for the stamp I sold you. From the standpoint of the NSDA, if you are an NSDA member, and that's why you should deal with dealers who are members of the NSDA or the ASDA, because I can have a policy. And my policy is that the next day by noon, you have to show me a certificate. Otherwise, the deal is final. So I can put some really wacky, impossible to fulfill requirements on the return of the stamp. So if you are a member of the ASDA or the NSDA, and of course, I prefer the NSDA, 
then you have to abide by their guidelines. And their guidelines are for a huge a number of dealers. So one dealer can't have some unreasonable return policy. You have to conform to what's normal in the business. So why does this come up? Did you have a stamp returned or something? Right, yeah. I, I submitted a stamp uh, for certification. I did not let the dealer know that I was going to submit it. It was purchased at uh, an, on an online auction on HipStamp. And um, and it came back as fake, and I notified the dealer, and the dealer um, r- refused to uh, to consider uh, a return because they responded with a boilerplate uh, email stating, you know that this is the policy from my website that says you've got to you've got to let me know if you're going to submit it for for expertization. Um, and so they're they're sort of uh, hanging their hat on that and 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 using that as the excuse for for not considering a, a return. Um, but so, it says something about the dealer. Well, yeah. So it's like, hey, if 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 I tricked you and got you to buy this stamp, and you don't tell me, hey, you tricked me, then I get away with it. Right. And obviously, that's not a policy that any forthright organization would accept. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, in that case, I would go directly to HipStamp and say, hey, uh, this guy sold me a fake stamp. And if they go to market, who's in charge of HipStamp, they say, yeah, but uh, he didn't tell me that uh, he was submitting it for a cert. Right. Mark's going to go, hey, give him his money back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just unreasonable. Yeah. I think the um, interesting aspect of that discussion is that, and we've talked about this before, in legal terms, um, the the collector, the, the, it is assumed that the person selling the stamp has the knowledge. And then how much knowledge does the person buying the stamp have? If it's a big enough amount, somebody's going to be in court on that because they're Taking advantage of somebody. This yeah, how much was how much was the item? Oh, it's like uh, maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, hundred yeah. bucks. I personally, hundred yeah. bucks is a good amount of money. Just yeah. go to small claims court. Well, I wouldn't sue in small <laughs> claims court. I'm just joking, but the the I, point is, I would definitely that, check to see if the dealer is an ASD or an SDA member, because if he's a member of either organizations, then uh, you just call the organization and say, "Hey, this guy, can you uh, talk to him?" Yeah. And the organization, you know us or whoever would say, yeah. And then we go, you don't have to be notified. If you sell a fake stamp, you sold a fake stamp. Right. I had a similar. Now, how, how real quick, how long ago did you purchase it? Oh, it was, uh, it was like a couple of months ago. So it it took time to get the, get the certificate back. And, um, less than three months. Yeah. Yeah. Probably around three months now. Yeah. You might be pushing it there, but yeah. 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 And a it's similar. a major major stamp dealer. It advertises and lends that kind of thing. So oh, then then yeah. just yeah. This if he advertises and lends, then he's going to be either an APS ma- member mm-hmm. or an ASDA or NSDA member. Just go, you know. Uh, let's see what the ASDA or an NSDA says. And like I said, if it comes to the NSDA, at a certain point, it's final. Generally speaking, we draw the line at three months. Yeah. So I was starting to say I had a similar experience with a show dealer. Um, 
bought a stamp, um, brought it over to PSE, didn't get a certificate because the first person who looked at it said, it's a fake overprint. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was able to, I ran into the dealer at the next show, which was a month later or something like that, three weeks later. And I said, hey, it turned out that stamp was a fake overprint. He says, oh, here's your money. Yep. Just like that. And it was $150 or something. Well, generally speaking, just business-wise, sure, the um, dealers are not going to want to give you your money back. They're going to want to give you a credit. Yeah. Absolutely a fair request. Sure. You know, okay, I owe you $150, pick something else. It's a fair request of you saying, eh, I'd rather have the money. You know, can you give me my money back? But be aware that psychologically you feel like you're in a inferior position. So you go, okay, you'll take it back. At least I'm getting my 150 bucks. Now I'll buy 150 bucks worth of stuff. More the, fakes. The drop, well, <laughs> <laughs> the drawback is wonder if he doesn't have anything that you want. Yeah, well... As it turned out, I mean, this was a dealer that I dealt with uh, for the first time when I bought that stamp, but I've dealt with him several times since then and bought way over $150. Yeah. So him refunding the money on, and, and he didn't even want the stamp back. If it's fake, I don't want it in my inventory. Yeah. You just keep it. Oh, I so do that on eBay. So we have a reference copy. Yeah. I do that on eBay. reference copy for the reference copy or the reference library here. But the point is, is that I think most dealers... When it's um, within a f- few d- weeks, would probably have that same attitude. Oh, a attitude. few weeks. Nobody's going to clean. Yeah. Uh, and, and I could see, you know, if it gets out there two, three months, Yeah, I could see why NSDA would have that. Yeah, you, you got to be fair to the dealer. I mean, you got to yeah. be fair to the collector. I, there's a lot of times when, you know, I, I know, it, Dave, shout out to Dave Cobb. He's fantastic. I mean, he will be at a show in Sarasota, Florida, and he won't see the person until the next year. Mm-hmm. And the person comes in a year later and says, I bought this stamp from you last year. It's fake. And he will give you, eh, I don't know if he'll give you a, a refund after a year, but he'll definitely give you a credit. I mean, he a lot of times it's like that. It's like, well, if I only see you once a year, then, you know, it's not a three month thing. It's a one year thing. So, uh, yeah, I, if, if it's a major dealer, chances are they're a member of an organization hanging your hat on, oh, you didn't tell me that's, you know, <laughs> I mean, in my mind, that's like, I ripped you off and you said, oh, I'm going to check this out to see if you ripped me off. And you go, oh, uh, here, give me the stamp back. I ripped you off. I, I want to protect myself from having to pay a cert fee or something like that. It's like, no, that's, that's not, that's not fair. Right. Off the subject, uh, my eBay sales picked up. The dollar dropped. Uh, you know, dollar was like 15%, 17% stronger against the euro and the pound. It's now on par, like where it was. My eBay sales went right back up again. So uh, there's economics. 101. Economics 101. So, Jim, what's the article you got in front of you? Well, I found this very interesting. This is from the American Philatelist uh, recent edition. 
and it's on basically swindlers and fakers in the stamp business. And the article written by Rick Barrett, Rick Barrett, who was on a prior podcast. You can do a search for it. Yeah. Um, is about this man named William B. Hale. And it's William B. Hale, a world-class swindler. Apparently he was a dealer around the turn of the century, did some unauthorized Cinderella's of the Pan American Exposition, which are la- they're just they look like labels. They look like postage stamps, but there's no denomination on them. And he was selling those, and of course, that was his introduction into the stamp business. But he ended up. Um, this article goes on, talk a lot about him, but he ended up being arrested in 1929 uh, in Indiana for $4.5 million stamp fraud. Big headline on the paper there. And, you know, $4.5 million in 1929, I don't know what the denominator was, but oh, yeah. that's a that's a really big number. Of, that was a lot of money. And he was sentenced uh, as a stamp washer. This was a deal where they were washing the ink off the stamps and reusing them. And um, he got 20 months in the penitentiary, in the federal penitentiary. So I thought that was interesting in light of another article that we saw in Lynn Stamp News. See, this is the February 13th issue. Page 10, tagging omitted errors found on the 2019 flag and the 2022 love stamps. Now, that's very similar to the one we had talked about probably late last year where um, a tagging omitted error had been certified. And um, we had a discussion about how um, since most of the Canadian counterfeits from the CCP (laughs) were coming into this country untagged at that time, 2019 uh, I think that we, we saw the first tagged or attempted tag um, of counterfeit stamps in 2022. Prior to that, I don't think we'd seen one before. So the way we always identified the fake was it wasn't tagged. Let's look at it. And and you could see that my differences in the printing. So anyway, this um, was submitted to the PF. The PF um, gave it a um, legitimate, genuine stamp tagging omitted. And these were on used stamps. And these were on used stamps. So um, I am not privileged, and we have not been privileged here at PSE, to see what evidence convinced them that these were legitimate booklet stamps and coil stamps rather than um, fake without the tagging but it brings up a bigger question in my mind or a bigger issue Be- because we are not we don't we didn't see these stamps so I'm not talking specifically about these stamps but any stamp issued in the last five years I would say the 
the plethora of fakes has just grown and grown and grown. And they're all untagged. So if one gets used um, f- from people that are buying this discount postage, you know, if, if you're saying, okay, it's a legitimate use because it's got a postmark on it, no. You know, a lot of them go through the mail. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is go back and look at all the um, mail in the illegal uses collections. I've got, you know, postal stationery that are cut out and pasted on envelopes. And oh, used. yeah. I've seen postcards where the corners are cut off of them and used. I've got... Um, I have a U.S. number 11, except that it's a... Actually, it's a number 11 and a number 11A. Oh. And what they did was they chopped it in, it in half. half. One of them had the cancel on the left side. The other one had the cancel on the right side. They chopped them in half, put them together, and now you got a stamp that doesn't show any cancel. And, yeah, and that... See, that goes back to 1851, 1852. So the point is, is that, um, oh, and just for reference, I've got many, numerous... um, single use of the makeup stamp that carried the letter for the full postage. Yeah, and yeah. the makeup rate stamps are usually one, two, or three cent stamps that go when they change the rate and up the rate one, two, or three cents. And you're supposed to use them with the regular old issue. So these things go through the mail when they're not supposed to. And the fact that we have so many well, I'm issues at, that we know are fake. I'm looking at the picture. The one that is used is that on cover? They're both they're both used stamps, and it doesn't say that they're cropped, at least not in the caption underneath them. See, because I get I get stuff from people all the time saying it's a used stamp. It's tagging omitted. Right, and we go. You can't get it certified because if you soak a stamp long enough, the tagging will cool. disappear. Because the tagging's on the surface. Right. And so it's premature. I, d- I don't think it's premature, but I think that the PF is doing something that the PSE would hesitate to do. Um, speaking just as one of the six experts here okay so there actually there's more so one of the nine experts so mine is one ninth of the opinion that's it nothing more don't don't think that this is like anything that's like official i would i personally would not give a good opinion on a used stamp that had the tagging omitted i mean you would have to it would have to be on the cover still so that I know that it wasn't soaked. And even if it was on the cover, I'd be checking that cover to make sure that it wasn't soaked and they just couldn't get the stamp off it. It says that the envelope was not shown, but it bears the spray on cancel from a certain city. So he, the person who found this and submitted it initially found it on cover. It just doesn't say that the the illustrations are cropped, so I don't know. If it's on cover, that's... But that's getting rid of a major red flag for me. Yeah. And the, the point is, is that I'm not criticizing the PF and their certificate because we have not seen the item. What I'm getting at is that this is going to destroy tagging omitted error collecting because 
there are so many of these stamps. This is a forever stamp with a flag on it. That's the one they counterfeited. Yeah. And we know that they've counterfeited some with tagging. But initially, they were fake. Now, the other problem with this, just for the collectors out there that are looking for tagging omitted errors, the other problem with this is um, things change in the collecting and the expertizing. When we get more information on something or the technology gets better. And I was thumbing through the catalog looking for something else, and I came across the footnote after the C-114, the 39-cent airmail stamp on the first seaplane. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but it basically said the missing magenta color has not is not listed any longer because the PF rescinded the certificate on the mis- missing magenta color after subsequent investigation revealed that the magenta was very volatile and just exposure to sunlight removed it from the stamp. Hmm. Now, I didn't even remember that before, but this is this is one of the problems that we may have with this is when we start looking at these stamps that are going to be submitted as tagging omitted errors, many of them are going to be called the fake ones that didn't have tagging to start with. And and so as a collector, I think that kind of ruins the hobby of collecting tagging omitted errors, at least in this era, what, the last 10 years or so. Yes, but on the other side, it's my opinion that it is a absolute boon to counterfeit collecting. And I think a lot more people care about the counterfeits than they care about some tagging omitted error. And the reason is, is because counterfeiting has a cool story to it. Tagging omitted, you can't see it. You Not without a UV light. Yeah, you, you, you literally, you know, you look at the stamp and you go, wow, that stamp has its tagging omitted. I <laughs> don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, it, if you have two of them in the catalog and one's tagging omitted error, you can't tell by looking in the, right. uh, I'm sorry, in, the, in your album. Yeah. You can't tell. The, However, if one of them is a counterfeit, that has a cool story to it. Yep. And there are people that obviously we collect counterfeits. And as we've talked about before, some of the counterfeits from the earlier days that were actually produced to fool collectors sell for as much or more than the original stamps. And so, the ones that were produced to defraud the post office are, are incredibly, incredibly valuable. Yes. Uh, the two Especially. cent, yeah, the two cent first bureau issue. Uh, yep. You know, the two cent stamp. Yeah, maybe they're the fourth bureau. Oh, for, um, no, 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 I'm talking about the first bureau. Oh, way back. Way okay. back. Okay. Um, the uh, two-cent Washington with the triangles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was faked. Oh. And so the stamp, you know, normal stamp worth a nickel, maybe, you know. if, you, if On a good day, you might get a nickel for one. Uh, the counterfeit, worth 100 bucks or mm-hmm. more. If it's used, oh, way more. You know, so there is this obvious history of the counterfeits to defraud the post office being very valuable counterfeits or fake stamps to defraud collectors. We don't like those. 
And the other part of this um, that I wanted to just talk about was that if you're um, worried about the putting a guy away for 20 months in 1929 for washing stamps, <laughs> what's the penalty for a worldwide conspiracy to fraudulently print basically money. Yep. Doesn't seem to be anybody concerned about that. Yep. And we've talked about that before on this podcast, but to me that's kind of interesting that nobody care, seems to care about it. Well, Jim today at lunch said, well, it's probably, you know, it's, it's not um, enough money for them to be concerned about. And I have two answers to that because I don't think that's the case. Two answers. First of all, if you don't hunker it down, um, then the number grows. You know, if if you sit there going, ah, you know, we're only losing a million dollars, all of a sudden 15 more people get in, now you're losing 15 million. And then 100 people get in, now you're losing 100 million. You know, if you if you don't enforce something so obvious, you're asking for more people. Just for clarification, that's the other Jim at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> shout out to Jim Forty. I know he's a listener. Hey, Jim. And uh, so I do not honestly know why they don't do something. I don't know if they are doing something behind the scenes that we are not seeing. Uh, you know, maybe they are doing something, but I sure as heck don't see it. Not that I would, but. You know, maybe they are, you know, having SEAL Team 6 go over, you know, sneak into Ottawa and find the uh, Canadian printer's shop and lighting a, you know, bomb off inside of their printing place or something. Who knows? Yeah. It's now called Canadia. Canadia. <laughs> you know, so, you know, maybe they're doing something behind the scenes. I certainly don't see it. And yeah. that, that was my point for bringing it up, is that I think that stamp collectors, uh, you know, we're a minor. We have input to the Postal Service, but really not a lot. Uh, most of our input goes to, um, you know, they ignore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't don't print cross-block, but special printings for cross-blocks or something. Yeah. But... Um, I think that as as a hobby and as a collectors within the hobby, we need to be aware of this and just buy and collect accordingly and beware that, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to come along with a technique to, defect, to detect whether any variety that is being touted at any time is a legitimate variety or not. Oh, yeah, we give it, you know, a couple of years and somebody's going to uh, measure the paper or measure the size of the stamp. Yep. And they're going to say, you know, uh, it's got to be 22 and a half millimeters. And all of a sudden, all these uh, tagging omitted varieties, they're going to measure them and they're not going to be 22 and a half millimeters. And they're going to say, oh, all these are fake. I just think it's too early right now to know. We, yes. we do not know what we do not know yet. Good point. Oh, one other thing, though, you brought up Jim Forty and you brought up the dealers. I was at the Anaheim Stamp Show uh, this weekend, and I saw 
the priority sheets of four and the express mail sheets of four. Priority mail, you know, the $7.98, and it goes up. I forget what it is. Um, they are increasing in value dramatically. You know, the Bethesda fountain has always been worth four times face. But now, like, all of them are worth double face. People want them. Yeah. They didn't collect them in the sheets because they were expensive. And, and double face. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. That's totally unexpected from my standpoint. So anyway, that's uh, a market tip if you guys want to, you know, invest, you know. Actually, if you want to collect, you better buy them now because they're going to be a lot more expensive in the future. As the investors run the price up. Yeah. Yep. Although, the like I said, 2014, 9% of the people were investors. 2019, 2%. So a lot of the investors are switching over to collector investor, Mm -hmm. which I kind of like. Well, anything else? Happy collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this Silcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.